going on, everybody? Anthony Frieda here. Welcome back to the Dumb Biz. All right, today on the show, we got a buddy of mine. His name is Ryan McCausland. Ryan is a professional drummer and percussionist, uh, and his latest work was uh, touring with Dear Evan Hansen, the musical, uh, around the country. Uh, we talk a lot about his experience playing for musicals. The guy is a killer, um, very knowledgeable, and uh, yeah, we had a great conversation this whole episode, and uh, you're going to hear it sprinkled throughout the episode, little clips of uh, Ryan playing some drums. Uh, actually, a few of them are from his tour setup, so it uh, sounds really good. So, anyway, please enjoy the episode. What's going on, everybody? I got my buddy Ryan McCausland here. Ryan is a drummer and percussionist, pro drummer and percussionist, uh, and he does a lot. He he's mostly known for uh, doing musicals and his the latest musical he was doing was dear evan hansen touring with that with that uh mu- musical so uh w- welcome ryan thanks for being on man yeah thanks so much it's, it's good to see you again yeah it's, it's like, been a while <laughs> we go back so i'll just sprinkle in a little bit of that background stuff like i met ryan just like i met a lot of my other guests at montclair state university doing music and uh yeah i think um we played some pretty badass pieces of music together oh yeah for sure like, like we kind of went through the trenches. I always love that. I, I mm. like that. Like, and people don't, I, you know, people outside of the music world, uh, especially if you're like dating, you know, they, they don't necessarily understand like you, when you work so hard on a piece of music or whatever, and you're rehearsing together and like hours at a time, you know, multiple times a week. And then you have that performance and it's like such a adrenaline high. People don't understand the connection that you form with those people. So you're yeah, definitely. definitely one of those people, man. So uh, how you been, though, dude? Pretty good. You know, I think like, you know, like most people, I've been sort of trying to make the best of what's kind of a, a really rough situation for most people in music. Um, you know, I think the the biggest thing I was, uh, I was thinking about was really just taking some time to enjoy the time off because there's, there's just nothing, there's really no especially for me in theater, there's not really much to do right now. Um, and when you're used to sort of going through that grind of like, oh, I got to find a, a place to either, um, you know, connect with or, or audit shows or find a way to um, take, you know, uh, lessons with a, a certain person or connect and, and just keep grinding and grinding over and over again. Um, it doesn't really stop because, you know, the industry just doesn't stop. It sort of demands that sort of constant, you know, um, uh, that constant sort of effort. Um, and since, you know, the, the only benefit I could think of right now is the fact that since everything is sort of on pause, it's just sort of take advantage of that opportunity to, you know, just sort of, you know, relax and, and not feel pressured to constantly be creating all the time. Yeah. So it's from what you're telling me, it sounds like you were, your schedule was crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, the, the touring, the touring schedule was was pretty it was pretty static but it was it was heavy you know we do eight shows a week um just like the broadway guys um so we're playing uh tuesday to sunday 
uh, two shows Saturday, two shows on Sunday, and only have a, a day off on Monday. Um, sometimes we will be traveling from different cities uh, on Mondays. So it's, it's like a pseudo day off, you know, it's like, you're not playing, but you're traveling. So, um, you know, it, it can be a bit of a grind, you know, when you're just moving around constantly, especially if you're moving only week by week by week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, the show itself, it's, it's, uh, I don't want to say it's, um, uh, overly taxing, but it's a heavy rock show. So, you know, you're constantly waving your arms for about three hours. Yeah. every night so it's um uh it is it is a lot you know it does get to be a lot after a while you know um, i oh sorry go, go ahead oh, yeah, i was just gonna say the, the only dra- drawback for being on the road is that you, you don't have a, a sub like the broadway guys if, if you know if they c- come up under the weather or you know they don't uh they're just not feeling it or they just need a night off um they they can call in one of uh any number of subs that they have in the city and then they can just take that night off um, for us, it's a little bit different. If we want to schedule time off, it's got to be done usually a few weeks in advance. They like they like to have as much upfront as possible. So um, it just means that your your uh, downtime is a lot less. It's few and far between. I would yeah. say. Yeah, I was gonna say I want to get into that um, topic of you know sort of that subbing for you know, already established show, but I do want to highlight something for listeners because they've heard, heard, they've heard me bitch about <laughs> being on uh wedding gigs and, ah, oh, you know, you're playing for three hours, you know, three nights a week, whatever, and you get tired, blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, that's somewhat you can, I can argue, man, like nothing compared to eight shows a week. And I would say that the pressure is even higher because, you know, people are, when people are paying tickets to see, a musical versus there's a fucking bride and a groom who just want music for the day. You know, like you have a higher pressure, you have actors, there's all, there's so many moving parts to that show. You're saying it's a heavy sort of more of a rock gig. So you're playing drums, man. Like you're playing drums. You're not just tapping away like on a lot of like musicals that I guess would be prior to the modern Age right musicals right like you're mm-hmm. you're playing more classically oriented stuff no this is like you're hitting those drums mm-hmm. but to do that eight nights a week uh and to not be able to like say hey can i get a rest it has to be like you know weeks in advance it, I, what i'm trying to highlight to listeners is you're a fucking badass is what i'm saying <laughs> so that's fucking awesome um well thanks man i appreciate that <laughs> yeah dude yeah dude um it's not easy what ryan uh was doing on a tour basis. So, but on the note of how the musical and the musical theater industry kind of works on a level, I only know it from the perspective of like the percussionist and the drummer, but I do remember talking with you a lot back in the day about this was, this was, first of all, you were so interested in this stuff and we all knew <laughs> it. all of the friends, all of our friends group knew that this, okay, he's going to be doing this one day, probably because he loves it so much, you know? And, uh, so, and I do remember talking to you and you were saying, yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I just contacted the drummer or the percussionist of this show and I maybe mm. got to like meet him, take a lesson with him or whatever. Mm. And then eventually you, you kind of, you kind of, uh, make a small little relationship and maybe become a sub for that mm. person. So yeah, it's um, you know, the whole. I, I I guess you could argue. I mean, any sort of career in music is is you know predominantly about the relationships that you make. Um, 
uh, particularly so in theater, especially. So there's no um, there's no audition for Broadway musicians. You, it's not like you go in and, and play like um, like you would um, for a, an orchestral gig. Um, it's very much, who you know, and then, uh, you know, that person will uh, the chairholder would usually come up with a list of five to seven to ten. There's not really a set amount of people that I know of. Um, and they would bring them on as subs and they'd rotate them in every now and then. Um, but to sort of get into that world, it's all about making these connections and, and you know, um, uh, sort of finding ways to, um, I guess, find a place for uh, a, a best place for where, where you would fit or where, um, you know, in terms of the style of music of the show or in terms of, um, you know, how the original drummer plays versus how you play. Mm-hmm. Um, because essentially your job as a sub is just to emulate exactly um, the drummer that comes before you. Um, there's no, there's no real, um, there's no real interpretation. You know, you, you wouldn't really bring what you, your creative, um, you know, element to, to that part of the show. I mean, you're, you're pretty much there just to be a placeholder, mm-hmm. um, and play it exactly the same. Yeah. Um, which is, um, which is, I guess, both a blessing and a curse. It sort of depends on how you look at it, you know, uh, because, you know, you could be, um, you could be an incredible drummer and be very creative, but totally wrong for a show because you're not, um, you know, you're not necessarily emulating the person who came before you. Um, uh, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting gig for sure. I mean, I really like it. I I've always loved being able to try and, and do my best to copycat um, whatever someone has done before me, which, um, uh, which I'm really interested in. So that that for listeners right there, um, what Ryan's talking about is it would be like if I was, um, you know, if there was a touring group and I'm just going to throw out a name of a band that, no, you know, most people know. But like, I don't know um, if I was going to uh, drum for for like a couple shows of a tour for let's name a band, man. Why am I? I'm spacing here. Uh, sure. Um, Dave Matthews, maybe. Sure. There we go. That's yeah. a great that's actually a great mm-hmm. example because Carter. Carter Beaufort, right? The the drummer is pretty unique. Mm. And so I would ha- be expected to literally like emulate that guy for the tour because that's what the that's what the fans are used to hearing. It's what the band's used to hearing on stage. Mm-hmm. That's quite the feat. You know what I mean? That's like yeah. easy to fucking do. So I, I have a lot of respect for that hungry energy of the sub. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh you, you gotta nail those parts and make it sound. You almost gotta be like you almost kind of the 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 whole pit and the whole the whole cast shouldn't know that there's somebody else on drum. Exactly, that that's pretty much spot on. You know, the 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 mark of an incredible sub is having people have no idea that you're there. You know, you're you're just you're like a shadow. You come in, it's like they can't tell the difference between you and the original guy. Yeah. Um. And when you when you get to that place where you know you're that it's in, indistinguishable between you and the original, that's when you start getting called back, and then you start moving up the list. So you're you're going to start being called first or second for the gig, yeah. and then you'll start being you'll go in there, you know, over and over and over again. Um, which is sort of how you um. Uh, it, it's how you can sort of find your way into maybe even taking over a show. Like if the original drummer decides he's going to leave. Um, I mean, a, a good example of that would be um, uh, our show on Broadway right now uh, is Jay Goldbus, but the original drummer was Jamie Eblen. Um, and Jay Goldbus was, was 
um, the first call on that show. He was the one that that sounded as close to the sound that they were looking for from Jamie. Um, and so, you know, when it came time to find a, a drummer to take it over after Jamie left, uh, obviously Jake was the first person they went to. So, um, you know, it, it's um, it's really, really important, especially in the Broadway community, to to be as close to emulating the original drummer as you possibly can. So for you, like, um, how how many times have, have you, you know, had this opportunity and sort of like proven yourself on those types of gigs? Like, have you had a number of those? Um, not, not really. I mean, uh, Evan Hansen was sort of the first time that I had um, the opportunity to really hone in on on a particular drummer and the sound that he was at, at, at the theater level. I mean, um, you know, going in to watch Jamie play and then listen to him on the recording um, and even watching Jake play when Jake was subbing um, was it was really the first time that I had the opportunity to say, OK, here's here's exactly what they're looking for. So that when we went out on tour, I could I could make it as close as possible to what was going on in New York. So that's a little different now being on a mm -hmm. tour. You're not the actual you're not the original uh, production. Right. So this is mm -hmm. taking that taking something hey can we replicate this original like something like the original production obviously mm -hmm. it would be a new cast of actors right. um, but as for music you know uh can you play as close to that drummer you know as at, like the original right and you're taking right. around the, the country or whatever you know well and i think that the interesting thing about this show and maybe shows like um like hamilton as well you know the the cast albums are so um uh, they're, they're, they're becoming so iconic that people are listening to them nonstop. So when they come into the show, they're expecting to hear what they hear on the recording, oh, wow. which is a little bit different than what you would hear. Um, like you were saying back, like in the golden age of theater, there was tons more music than was recorded. You know, um, the, the show could be even very different from what you would hear, yeah. um, on the road, but for, for our show and for shows like Hamilton, it very much is, is you know, you're, you're hearing the recording, and it's it's very very similar to what you hear in uh, in the actual show. Um, so you know it's it, it's interesting. I remember um, when I was in school, a lot of times they would say, "Be careful of what you hear on the cast recordings." You know, definitely use them um, as a guide, but don't don't fall don't fall too in love with those cast albums because they can be very different from what you're actually playing in the live show. Yeah. Um, but as I got further and further into this new style of theater, it, it sort of closed the gap. I guess, okay. if you could imagine, there was a lot. There was a lot more similarities. Gotcha. So that's cool. So now, um, and also, I want to, I kind of want to get into describing what you do, mm -hmm. why it's different than the typical drummer job. It's pretty particular. If I would say, and may, tell me if you agree or disagree, but it does fall in line uh, between being like a rock drummer or a pop drummer on the stage, right, and providing mm -hmm. that type of. Uh, groove and pulse versus being a percussionist in the back of an orchestra. It's like it, you're straddling those two worlds a little bit, right? Yeah, definitely. So um, go ahead. Like what's the, what would be like your typical setup for like a, a Dear Evan Hansen show? Sure. Um, well, you know, every show is different. So uh, instrumentation wise, you know, you can be called upon as a musical theater drummer to play any type of style, any type of instrument. Sometimes you're playing um, mallet instruments and timpani and and uh, Latin percussion, hand percussion, um, and then sometimes it's very um, straightforward in terms of uh, in terms of our show. It's very straightforward. You know, um, 
I, I play uh, just a regular rock drum set with a djembe and some shakers and tambourines. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, it's very, very straightforward. Um, the, the interesting parts about the show are a little bit more about how you play the drums. I mean, sometimes I'm playing drums with just my bare hands. Um, I'm using a lot of different mallets and sticks to get like a more of a singer songwriter kind of acoustic vibe from, from certain songs. And then other times I'm literally just hitting the drums as loud as I can. Huh. Um, so it, it's, it's really interesting how, you know, it's, it's straightforward from the surface, but when you really dig into it, um, it does, there are a ton of different interesting layers and things to keep, but for me, I think it keeps things really interesting about this show. some of the uh i mean that's i mean that's super cool i i always love the idea that you're play you know you're anytime i see a hand drum and some shakers next to the drum the, the guy on drum set or the person on drum set i kind of get a little excited you know like having one stick and a shaker in the other hand is awesome or one stick in one hand and you're playing you know a hand drum in the other that to mm -hmm. me is super interesting but that yeah. you know you're supposed you're you're thrown into that type of um, what would you call it? You're as as a as a pit percussionist or drummer. You are expected to do things like that. Yeah, you're you're very much a hybrid of of you know a, a rock drummer and then a, a classical percussionist. You have to sort of like you said straddle that that fence. Like where you know a lot of guys go in and they study um they study hardcore jazz. They study hardcore um you know like you you're you're recording artist drum set. Um, or you've got guys who are who are working in, in just classical percussion, you know, um, and and theater is sort of the it's a perfect way where they, those two worlds really collide and really mix and match, um, yeah. which is one of the one of the things I love about it. You know? Yeah, I was going to ask you too. what like uh, could you describe one of the craziest setups for a show you've ever had? Whew. Um Uh, you know, I in terms of um, in terms of some of my favorites, I mean, I I loved the setup I had for the first show I played at Montclair, which is I was the the percussionist rather than the drummer at that point. Okay. But the first show I played at Montclair was Sideshow um, with uh, um, Suleiman. Uh, he was the oh. the drummer for the show. Our buddy, um, yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> yeah, um, gonna hear that episode very soon, by the way. <laughs> so thanks for referencing him. Yeah, definitely. Um, that was that was a lot of fun, but the 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 instrumentation was not too crazy. It was just a lot of stuff, you know. Uh, and uh, that's I guess maybe a hallmark of of a lot of of theater stuff is that you're you're sort of called upon not only to to you know um, 
I guess your role can also branch into that of like a Foley artist as well, where you were kind of responsible for sound effects and you're responsible for, um, you know, a lot of color and a lot of, you know, um, it's, uh, you know, when you're a percussionist, it's a little bit different than when you're a drummer. And I've heard some guys say that they like percussion a little bit more because there's, um, uh, there's a little bit more, there's a little bit less responsibility on just keeping the time. Um, and you get a little bit more opportunity to sort of explore that, um, fully artist space and create some really interesting sounds and things like that. Um, have you done, have you done like, uh, have you done where you remember some of that percussion ensemble stuff we we Mm -hmm. played and your setup would have to be so particular based on the flow of what, instrument you're playing from part to part in the piece so right i guess for a show right for especially for a musical it's a similar thing where you know maybe the first act you're mainly on you know whether it's drum set and percussion or just percussion mm-hmm. you might be on maybe four different instruments the second act you're jumping between you know like two instruments to a totally other set of instruments and one example could be like mallet instruments such, such as xylophone and you know, bells to like timpani, right? right. And, and you could be in, in in eight measures, you could play both of all three of those instruments, mm-hmm. right? Like, and you're jumping around. So um, how often, like, have you experienced that in, in any show that you've played? It's it's actually very common, you know, uh, you're just jumping around from as, as many, it's almost like, a, I think it's some orchestrators are almost out to see just how many switches you can get a percussionist to make, yeah. um, you know, in terms of trying, you know, I remember we were playing a chorus line, uh, also Montclair, um, that was Taylor Goodson on the drums, I was also on percussion at that Shout one. Shout out to Taylor. Um, we were, uh, there was a section where I had to be playing tambourine, and mm-hmm. I was also glissing on the timpani at the same time and it was just oh, trying to figure out that choreography together so you're not letting one go while you're concentrating on the other was just so what ryan's uh, talking about is a gliss on a timpani it's when you hit the timpani and you're um you the the, timp- the timpani have pedals and the pedal uh changes the tension of the drum which basically changes the pitch so if you pull the if you push your heel back on the pedal the pitch goes down if you push your heel forward the pitch goes up so you were doing I, what I imagine is very specific gliss. Right. You, you were mm. glissing up to a note. Like right. Mm-hmm. You might have been on a G and glissing up to a C, right? So you're doing mm. that in one hand, which is a total vertical movement. And mm. then in the other hand, you're doing this horizontal movement of shaking the tambourine right. in time. You know what mm. I mean? Like, it's so accurate. It would be like if people are listening and you want a, an idea of what Ryan was doing, it would be like if you had to do five tasks in your day, feed the dog, uh, you know, cook this, drop off this, and blah, blah, blah. Imagine having to do that at a particular second, each one of those tasks. And that's what Ryan was doing. But everything, right, everything seemed like it was happening at the same time. Right. And, and honestly, it's funny, you know, um, you know, working on those percussion ensemble pieces that we did um, was so helpful. Yeah. Um, in, in trying to figure out how to, to, you know, make fast switches and then being very particular about how, how things are set up because a lot of times you're moving so fast and you have to have, you have to strike things and get things in with so much precision that you don't, you're not even really, you're like on autopilot because you have to be able to just sort of have your muscle memory do it and, and, and move on to the next thing so quickly. Um, 
which, you know, when you when you do in theater over and over and over again, it, it really does build in, you know, where, you know, even if your brain is off in outer space, your muscles will take over and it will know this is where I'm supposed to go at this point in time because I've yeah. done it so many times. Yeah. Um, but, you know, training yourself, especially in, in, in college with all of those percussion ensembles was so helpful because it really got you into that mindset of, all right, um, you just do it over and over and over and over again. Um, so that it's so second nature um, that you're they're almost not even thinking about it anymore. Yeah, you create this accessibility to that skill. You know, it's it's a weird thing. It's a we you you and I have this weird understanding of that stuff, mm-hmm. where it is a, a language. And to and I think about this lately, man. This has been going through my head. Think about the thing that you're an expert at, right? And we'll say drums and percussion. Let's just say you're an expert at it, meaning you know it on such a level, such a deep level, right? And imagine having that knowledge to another uh, subject or skill. You know what I mean? Imagine Mm -hmm. having that same skill level and and knowledge on business, you know, Mm -hmm. or like, and I thought about, and I thought about like, fuck, like, like I am good at something on that level. And what would it take? Would it take the same amount of like grind and and, and work Mm -hmm. to get that same uh, skill level on something else? And it's interesting. It's an interesting thing to think about. Like I've been talking a lot about percussion ensemble with the last couple of guests. And we were talking about like John Cage. We were talking about that, that type of stuff. And it's interesting. Like, like the level of playing we were performing at was pretty high. And uh, we got ourselves to that point. It's not, it's, it's not just a simple statement. Oh yeah. We played third construction. Yeah. It's no, like you performed a, a high level piece, mm-hmm. like with, you know, in a quartet. I mean, you did that piece too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, I did that, uh, yeah, my last year, last year. I, at school. I saw you guys do that. That was, and, and that was so much fun, you know, but again, it was the same sort of thing where you're just, you know, you, um, you, things are happening so fast and there are so many different, you know, you're listening to like a thousand and one polyrhythms out of, out of nowhere. You're trying to pull one thing out of, out of the thin air. It's, it's, it's so difficult. And, and being able to do that over and over and over again, that repetition so that you're not really thinking about it. Um, but at the same time, you're, you're locked into what, what everything else is going on. It's, yeah. it's really, it's hard to describe, but it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, um, definitely you know working on those pieces working on um working on them with such a high level of of musicianship from everyone in the studio as well because that really does help when you're working with people that are just at the top of their game yeah um it it really is um it's i mean it for me it was it was um you know invaluable to what i'm doing now which may seem silly you know when when you're talking about you know oh man you know dear van hansen is such a departure from 
you know, John Cage or um, yeah. Steve Reich. But um, but there really is, you know, there's so much that I, I took from those experiences and working in those ensemble pieces that I still use. Yeah, um, right. Working on something that seems a lot more straightforward. Yeah, it, it sort of shaped your, like, I, 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 I've said it before on this, I think. I don't think I'm, I'd be the same level of musician if I didn't play that piece. Just one piece, third construction. Definitely. You know? So it's it's wild, man. Uh, now one other que- one other question. I kind of like I like kind of uh, describing things to the audience. So sure. can you describe now, especially since you're on a tour? Actually, these are questions for me too. Actually, very curious sure. about your setup. Right, is the same every, pretty much every show, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. here's the question though: You're not performing always in the same space. No, no. So um, how often do you have to like you get a new space? And then have to configure some things. Well, so uh, I can I can sort of answer that with with the two different tours that I played so far. Um, uh, the first one was um, Dirty Dancing, and I was a percussionist on that show, so I was playing uh, kungas and bongos, uh, like tambourines, all kinds of stuff. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but that show was um, that show was um, something called a non-equity tour, so it was non-union. Um, we were not in town for very long. So a lot of times we would come in and we would set up, we would play the show, we'd tear it down, we'd get on a bus and we'd go to the next city. Um, so um, so setting up and tearing down that show was, it was almost a full-time job. Um, wow. Luckily, I, I toured with some really awesome guys who had done this before. Um, I toured with our, our drummer, Kevin. And, you know, he had this whole touring thing on block. So he came up and said, you know, here's what you're going to want to do. We're going to need to get you a carpet. Um, We're going to spike that carpet with either um, a Sharpie or a a bunch of tape. We can write everything down so that uh, when they load it in, they can kind of get it in the right place. And then when we come in to soundcheck, you can just sort of tweak it and pull it into the right spot. Um, So that, you know, when we come in and do these things like, you know, rapid fire. um, Wow. You know, uh, you're just uh, you're ready to go. Um, contrasted with Dear Van Hansen, um, we are, uh, we are an equity tour. We're, um, a, a whole union full production tour. So, um, we're staying in places a lot longer. Um, okay. uh, the, the, the shortest, uh, stint that we've ever had anywhere is only a week. Um, and the longest, I think, uh, was supposed to be Chicago where we were supposed to sit there for like three months, but, um, COVID took its toll and, uh, Fucking COVID. um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the longest, the longest set that I've ever done was about six or seven weeks, I think. Wow. Um, uh, in that case, though, um, for the, you know, there was there was less. Um, well, actually, so what I did for Evan Hansen was I I sort of built the setup around um, exactly how Jamie had it in in New York. Um, you know, I, I even went so far as to write down the tunings that I used on top of the head, so that whenever I changed heads or if I were experimenting with different heads, I always had the same pitches so that I wasn't freaking out the the sound crew if they were dialing in something. Wow. Um, okay, hold on. Can we stop right there? Can we sure. highlight that? That's a hell of a... That's, that's a hell of a lot of detail-oriented stuff right there. So you're thinking about... And I like, by the way, that you're thinking about the sound crew, that they have sort of... In this new space, even they have to maybe adjust some things... But there are templates, right? That I'm sure that you could, maybe they're. I, I don't know what they're using, but they basically can kind of like uh, imagine it. I guess listeners like it would be like saving the settings on your TV or whatever the fuck. Um, 
for the sound crew, for all of the mics, basically. So mm-hmm. now Ryan is really forward thinking and he's thinking about, okay, well, you know what? I, I got to change these heads. So on the drums, meaning the things that you hit. And uh, so he's thinking, okay, I want to make sure every time I play, and you, you're saying you got this information from the drummer, from the original drummer. So I, I actually got this idea from uh, 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 Sean McDaniel, who was uh, who's a, a, just a you know a giant Broadway drummer in, in New York City, um, and he he has a whole tuning system that he went through with me while I was um, I took I was in, up in New York for two weeks working uh, in the studio with the the new cast before we went out to Denver to launch the show, sure. and while I was there, Sean had explained to me his whole. Um, how he tunes his drums when he was at Frozen and on um, Book of Mormon before that, um, and you know, I've I've never heard drums sound as good as Sean's. So I was I was taken immediately with this. I was like, I want to incorporate this into what we do on on tour. Um, and uh, there's um I'm sure that there's an article on uh, um, Billy Miller's MillerMachine.com somewhere and uh, on the internet where Sean breaks down and and will tell you exactly how he tunes things for different setups. Um, which is really interesting if you ever get the the opportunity to check that I out. Would to, I would love to check that right out. Absolutely. I think um, it's awesome what you were talking about, though, where you're basically coming up with a, a consistent setting, tuning setting for your drums. Right. Because you're thinking about your sound going through that sound system. Mm-hmm. And then specifically, uh, the, the sound people that EQ each of one of those mics or whatever, or and start, whatever they, I mean, they put a compressor on it, whatever. If yeah, if you're in a different tuning, right, and they set it to that tuning, they don't know that you're tuning it to C. They don't know right. that. No, they they they're they're not they're not sort of working. So basically, when we went into um, when we went into Denver, I wanted to make sure that whatever we had in Denver, as close as possible, um, yeah. I, I could I could keep as as close as possible. You know, there I've switched out different symbols. Um, I've uh, you know I've had. Um, uh, I've, I've used different snare drums. I've experimented with different things, um, but I wanted to have some sort of anchor that yeah. kept me relatively in the same, you know, the same orbit as as we were when we took it out in Denver, so that things weren't drastically different from night uh, from from city to city. Um, wow. uh, that's uh, that's, <laughs> that's so smart, and it's not something I never have to do. I'm totally the opposite. I'm such a piece of shit that I just oh. Cool. They sound fine. <laughs> I put them. I put the drums up. That sounds good to me. I'll deal with that. Well, I, I think you know. it's interesting because you know, with the theater show, you're you're playing the same exact thing every yeah. single night. Which you know, if, if you're playing on a different gig, um, you may play similar things yeah. every night, but you're you're not held to that that you know, very strange, um, like you're not you're not expected to be a record, mm-hmm. you know, in in. In theater, a, a lot of times, like I said, you know, they're they're expecting to hear what they hear on the record. So you are playing things so so um, close to to what you played from night to night to night yeah. that you know even even little things will start to 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 come through to to you to the other musicians on the band to the sound team to even the actors who might not notice things otherwise just because they're used to hearing the same exact thing over and over and over again and anything that deviates from that. Um, would pull their ear in, in a slight way, which is a really interesting uh, and sometimes frustrating thing to deal with in theater, you know? Really? Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's just part of the, it's, it's part of doing something the same way over and over and over. We, I think I, my show tally was somewhere in the neighborhood of 
650 something before we left. Um, Holy shit. Uh, so yeah, so 650 times of playing that show over oh, and over shit. and over again. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my God. And how much of a time span was that? Uh, I was about 17 months, I think. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. <laughs> so it's just uh, just over and over and over yeah. again. And, you know, I, I th- thankfully, I love the music in the show and I love the drum book. And it's been, oh my God, know, it's been orchestrated so well. And, um, and I play with some of the best musicians I've ever played with. Um, so that definitely helps, you know. But, you know, if you do something, if you do something 600 times, eventually you're going to start to be like, oh man, um, I'm fried, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if eventually, right? Even if you love it to death, you know, it's yeah. um which I do. Yeah. Um, wow, man. That's uh so hey man, that's impressive as shit, man. That like oh, thanks, man. There are people, man, there are people that are, you know, doing music for a living that are not doing more than sixty shows a year, you know what I mean? Performances a year. So that that it what you're doing takes a, a lot. <laughs> a lot of effort and work and man it's, i have a lot of respect for you thanks man Truly. i really appreciate that of course man wow um i was gonna ask you so um do you still now during this COVID time you know you've you've obviously haven't performed on on that level of you know mm. have you done any performances at all have you have you done any playing at all oh, I, I recently finished a, a record um with one of the um uh one of the girls in our cast um she um put it uh, she's she's uh dating our guitarist um and uh they put together this record um and we worked on it remotely so i have um i have somewhat like a of a of a studio setup here it's it's sort of hard to see but it's a uh, um there's just sort of like a a booth that i saw oh nice built man you built that here. um so i bought some of it and then i i sort of built the rest around it so i could sort of finagle it into the room wow. um so the, unfortunately I, I'm living with my parents right now. So, and their houses are very, very close together yeah. to, um, to the neighbors. Um, so I needed to find something more than just, um, soundproofing the room. I needed to find some way to just get the, the sound down to a low enough volume that it wasn't going to bother anyone. Um, but, um, but it was nice. Cause you know, I, it gave me an opportunity to sort of experiment with recording a little bit, um, something that I really hadn't been able to um, to really delve too much into, um, while I was on tour. Yeah. Um, and, and we, uh, uh, worked on this record remotely. Um, it actually just released, I think, um, it's not yesterday, but maybe the day before that. Let's plug um, it. Let's definitely sure. plug it. Um, what, what's the uh, name of the artist? Uh, Maria Wearies. Okay, cool. I, you know what? I, I might, I might link this stuff in, man. Yeah, definitely. No, she, she's written some really beautiful music. Um, uh, and it was it was such a we had such a fun time um, playing on it. It, w- it was a new experience for me because um, I've never recorded anything like this remotely before. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know when you when you we had done one session back when we were in Boston where it was all of us together mm-hmm. in a room and we were actually went to a recording studio and we were playing live and in time and I was like this is great I love this. Yeah. But then shifting that over to doing everything you know I'm in California right now she's in New York. Um, uh, you know, uh, the, some of the musicians were, were, you know, any number of different places. You know, I, I think our, our violinist was in Chicago at the time. So wow. um, trying to put all this together from all different parts of the country and, and getting it to sound as, like, as cohesive as possible was, was definitely something that was new to me, um, but a lot of fun. And, um, 
you know, I think I, I'm, I'm really proud of the final product and I, I hope she is too. Um, but um, yeah, if you get a chance to listen to it, the, the album is called Just Keep Singing. Um, and it's uh, Maria Where is it's her, it's her first, I think it's her first album that she's done. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'll link that. I'll link that in the description. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's cool. That's cool to know. And I'm really glad, I'm really glad to hear that you, do, you dove into recording. Because um, it's just mm-hmm. one of those things that I, I did the last couple of years. I, I love it. I mixing, especially I love making, I mm-hmm. love making the drums sound really good and almost like pr- pr- uh, production quality. Right. Yeah. Um, and like somebody like yourself, you know, obviously, obviously it's something that uh, if you did put the time in, you would get, you know, you would get good at it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not a question to me, but you had, you had really no other choices. In the last yeah, I think you know that, that's kind of funny. It, it it definitely helps, you know, when when the alternative is is not not doing anything. It's sort of it does gently shift you into like, all right, well, you know, um, maybe take a couple classes on this. You know, I I, I um I took I took one or two mixing classes, um, uh, just to sort of you know feel around how I I could get even slightly good at this or even even just better than than I am now. Um, which is, uh, it was just really interesting and a lot of fun and it gave me something to do. And, you know, I mean, I love playing. Um, so this is just being an extension of, um, you know, creating music is, was a lot of fun for me. You know, you basically did like the group did what, what the, uh, the postal service did back in like the early two thousands. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And and that's what people are doing now. That's what musicians Mm -hmm. are doing. I, I love it. I think it's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it, I, you can't you can't rely on that performance industry to define your workload or whatever anymore. Right. So I'm so glad that like people independently are creating uh, the music and creating a, a, an album or an EP or some or something. I think that's fantastic for listeners. You know, like um, all you really have to do is just start, right? Just like mm-hmm. so, if you're a drummer. Buy a couple mics, buy an interface, uh, and then if you have GarageBand, if you have an Apple, uh, a Mac, or whatever, or a PC, try to see if you can get FL Studio. Something, you know, just start recording, uh, and then you'll eventually find that rabbit hole. And uh, you know, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And then especially, tell me right now, tell me right now, the when you got, when you got, I guess I imagine you got guitar tracks first, something like that to to mm-hmm. record to, right? How cool of a feeling was that? Where you're like, okay, I'm about to lay down drums. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was. I mean, honestly, the first thing I thought was like, I was, I was actually quite nervous. Yeah, oh. I was like, you know, because I, I figured, well, I could send this out, and it could, you know, it could not be what they're looking for. It could be, you know, completely wrong, or the sound could be off. Or, um, but you know, once you got into it, you know, playing it was just a ball. You know, I mean, yeah. I had, I, I mean, I've, I've worked on a couple different projects with different people. Um, our other guitarist, Matt Brown, sent me a couple of projects that that he was working on, and um, and getting just just getting a chance to play with real musicians that you know who you who created something completely new. Um, it, it's just it, it's and these, I don't think there's any better feeling in the world um, than it's just so working cool. on something brand new. Um, Absolutely. But um, but yeah, it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It, it definitely taught me a lot, certainly about my playing too. Which is, uh, you know, it's really interesting when you record something. You have the benefit of really listening intently back to how you've done something. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, uh, my tendency always has been to push the tempo. And, you know, when you're, when you're um, listening back, you know, and you're trying to find something, uh, you know, why isn't this, why isn't this sounding exactly as good as it could? Mm. Um, and you're, you're listening with that trained ear to, to figure out what's going wrong. Um, it's, uh, it can be really eye opening to a lot of aspects of your playing, you know, um, you know, are you getting a consistent sound from all of these, these drums? Are you, are you, um, is one hand weaker than the other? Are you rushing? Are you dragging? You know, it just, it, it's like putting it all under a microscope because as you're playing, you know, you're, you're obviously your brain is elsewhere, but when you're listening back to something, even that you just did, um, there's uh there's nowhere to hide. You can yeah. just sort of see exactly where everything was laid and, um, it keeps you honest, um, as well as entertained. Yeah, man, it definitely keeps you honest. I was going to say, like, I was listening to something the other day about somebody was talking about the, the metronome, and uh, it was like, the metronome is not your boss. You know, that's not the relationship. And it was almost like, and then I thought about it. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of like your best friend that tells you the hard truth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All yeah. the time. You know what I mean? Like, in it, and, and, you know, it's not harsh, <laughs> right? Um, when you're off that click, man, and you know, it's it's almost like valuable information to know. Like, yeah. oh, I, I'm I'm speeding up on this part constantly. What's my why? Why is my tendency to do this? Okay, mm. now I know what to work on. Right. That well, that's great, man. Well, and, and sort of sort of tying that back into theater as well. You know, um, you know, our show is is almost is ninety percent clicked. You know, because we're using a lot of lighting cues and a lot of um, staging cues. So, um, you know, our, our conductor's running that click with his foot on Ableton mm. um, to sort of cue us in and out of different things. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just it keeps you honest because even if you're doing something 600 times over and over and over again and it's the exact same thing, you could walk in there. And um, I remember we were sound checking one point in time and I was playing one section of, of a song and I just started playing and it was entirely too fast. But it felt exactly where it should be. You oh, know? Interesting, right? but then you know when you pull the click in you're suddenly like oh my god you know like that's that's where that should be you know and you think you're going crazy but it's just natural you know because none of us are machines you know exactly but it's exactly right um speaking of on the on the gig and there's a conductor and i think we should describe a little bit of that too so sure you know like you're usually in like sort of what they call like a booth or something right uh -huh. so how would you describe that to somebody who doesn't know? Like you as the drummer, where you're placed in regards to where every all the other musicians are placed in regards to where that is to the stage, you know? Sure. Um, so our show is, I guess our show wouldn't necessarily be indicative of what uh, a normal show is, but I'll, I'll sort of um, 
I'll sort of go over what we do. Um, I play in a very large black box, a soundproof box that they tour with us. Um, so that goes with us everywhere. So no matter where they put me mm. in relation, because um, I'm the only person that's not playing on the stage. I'm okay. playing in different spots, no matter where we where we are, whatever theater we're at. Um, I'm always hidden away somewhere. Okay. Um, but the box is always the same. And we have a, a carpet in there that's like spiked. So, so everything is always the exact same. Spiked, by the way, the way. Spiked. Sorry. When you said oh, go spiked for it. Yeah, before. Sorry. No, that's yeah. cool. When you said spiked before, I immediately thought that's dangerous. I thought like medieval, <laughs> like yeah, torture. No, but I'm, I'm gathering though. What you mean by spiked is like placed, like tape placed in. Exactly. In yeah. For, you yeah know, tape, tape or a marker of, of any kind, just so that you're always setting things up in the exact same way. So the snare drum is exactly in that. Those exactly three, the same those way. Three mm-hmm. pieces of tape. Okay. Okay. So go on. Definitely. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It's, I, I, I throw out this terminology. It's like, everyone knows what I'm talking about. Right. It's like, cool, man. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so that box can go anywhere. Some of the more interesting places I've been, uh, um, so the, the regular band is on a platform, so they're seen on the show. They're part of the, the show's aesthetic. You know, they're they're up on the platform. That never changes. Um, but for me, I have played three stories below um, in a, a, a warehouse-like environment where all the lights are stored for the theater at the time. I've played on the stage. I've just sort of off slightly. Yeah. Um, I've played in. Uh, there was one time where I actually played in. Uh, a neighboring theater. They just ran the cables behind the wall that to the, the theater that connected behind it. We were in San Antonio and I was in a completely different theater um, playing. Oh I mean, it's a part of the same complex, but it was a different theater and I was playing while everyone else was, was behind me oh my on, on the main stage. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's, so I'm always playing remote uh, as a result though. I have um, everything is wired in, um, in terms of how I see the conductor, I have two different monitors, one above my music stand and then one off to the right underneath the ride symbol. Um, and which then I have, which? which one is for what? Um, I, I don't necessarily need two of them. I, I, you know, I, I, because we're clicked, I can just sort of check in, um, at certain spots of the show, but I like to have eyes on him at all times, just in case something is going wrong or he's got to wave me off or something's, you know, going wrong on stage so if i am you know i've got my head towards the the crash symbol and i'm i'm wailing away on something and he's ca- trying to catch my eye i still have some line of sight oh, to I him see. just in case i see That's um, smart. a lot of a lot of times drummers will have multiple i mean percussionists especially you know this i've seen like four or five different conductor monitors so that when they're playing chimes or when they're up by the timpani or when they're running around um you know it's it's sort of just so they can always have eyes on their conductor no matter where they are or what they're doing. Um, wow. And then in front of me, I have just a a, um, a a monitor of front of house, which just shows what's happening on the stage, like, like exactly what the audience would see. Wow. Um, uh, which I don't normally, I, I don't really need, um, mm. but because I'm usually in, uh, in just a completely isolated environment, it's just nice to know what's happening on the stage and you're feeling like you're part of the show still. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. Isolated is the word, because the only reason why I... I I'm asking that because mm-hmm. believe it or not, I didn't really know until mm-hmm. I a couple years ago. You know, on you know Andres Ferrero. Yeah, yeah, huh? uh, yeah. From a uh, drummer from Hamilton. Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Like I was selling a couple pieces of gear, and I was selling like this little mini sonar ten-inch snare thing, mm-hmm. and uh, on reverb, and he or maybe it was on I forget, but he 
hit he saw it somehow and he hit me up to he wanted to buy it so i happened to be, i honestly happened to be in midtown that day and uh or was go- going to be so i brought the drum and he was so nice he like invited me into the booth to check out oh, his nice. uh, setup and stuff like that and the reason why i bring that up is because i did notice a lot of tape everywhere i did uh-huh. notice a lot of very specific setups Mm-hmm. Uh, I did notice like there was a, a monitor, like you said, but it was in a very small, dark, like isolated mm-hmm. space. And I remember thinking like, how many times does this guy do that, do, you know, <laughs> play a week, you know what I mean? A year, whatever. And like, you're by yourself. Like, part of playing for me, that's fun is the interaction with the definitely. Interactions. And uh, you sort of lose that a little bit, I guess. Maybe you, you definitely do. You know, it's, I, I was having our, um, the our bassist that went out with us uh matt rabano um when we took when we took out we had a conversation about this um just right off the bat you know when we were teching the show in denver it's just like i miss feeling the the you know collaboration between all these other people and the fact that um you know all of them up on the platform are together and i'm not with them is uh, it is. That's that isolating feeling. It's the the missing link that you really that you really desperately want to have. Um, just in our in our situation, there's just no other way to do it. Um, but yeah. you do miss it, and it's one of those things. Whenever I get the chance to, you know, we sometimes we'll go out and we'll do gigs. I, I played a gig with one of our um, uh, um, one of the, the leads in the cast, um, uh, Merrick, um, when we were in Chicago, um, and it was just this um, this really fun um bar gig that we did of all of his original music um it was an album release show for him and it was just so much fun but one of the things that i i loved most about it was that i was on stage with all of these people i wasn't in a box i was just i was i was i felt like part of it you know it's like one of those things that you know uh as as fun as playing the show is um you know you do miss that collaboration just in real time in the real space um that's that magic man right definitely you know magic um, and it's 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 I would say it's it's really it's impossible to sort of replicate. You know, you, you it's it's either there or it's not. You know, it's one of those it's it's one of those things where you know you know more than anybody too. Just think about that scenario. Ah, I got a car full of drums and equipment. <laughs> I'm driving. Here we go. I just paid fifteen dollars to get to go through the Lincoln Tunnel to go into the city. <laughs> oh, this traffic is shit. You know. These taxi drivers are crazy. Oh, watch out for the bikers. Like all of this stress, mm-hmm. right? To go to a gig where you're not really getting paid that much. Right. However, you're on stage and you start performing and you're on you're on stage, whatever. You're playing with people who you like playing with, you like the music, and all of that stuff is answered why you did it, why you went through all of that. Immediately, you're like, okay, this is this was worth going through all of that nightmarish shit to get here. Right. It, it 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 is it is um it, it is immediate that that answer immediate mm. uh, until you have to pack up and go home. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and then you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. Um, I was gonna say like, you know, so you right now you're in California. You said, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, um, yeah, I guess it 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 varies from state to state, but. Have you throughout the summer? Were there any um, opportunities that you saw that people are actually doing some live performance, whether outdoors, you know? You know, um, 
in in my community, uh, you know, my my parents moved here um, because it was um, this used to be my grandparents' house. Okay. Um, uh, my mom moved out here to be with my grandfather before he passed away. Um, so uh, it was a couple of years ago. Um, so she's been out here teaching um, and living here permanently ever since. But the the community is uh, it's it's more of it's like a vacation slash retirement community. Gotcha. So um, it's not um, it's not a very uh, it's not a very lively community at the moment. There's there's not a lot going on in terms of uh, live entertainment. Yeah. Uh, um, but you, I mean, you can go. Um, I mean, we're about two hours outside of L.A., uh, three hours outside of San Diego. Um, and I have been to San Diego recently um, and I've noticed a couple things happening, uh, you know, very small things happening yeah. outdoors in, in San Diego. And I, I've noticed um, I've seen tons of things happening. Uh, you know, I, I recently went to, to New York um, for a, a funeral. Um, oh, sorry. But, um, to hear. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's all right. I um, uh, but that, that was the reason I, I was traveling. Otherwise, I wouldn't be traveling. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was in New York. Uh, recently, and I did notice that there was slowly some things happening. I saw a French horn quartet um, playing outside of Lincoln Center. Wow. Um, and um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I noticed a couple of little things that are happening around, um, um, but nothing like nothing like it used to be, obviously, you know? Yeah, man. I miss it so much, dude. Mm. I miss it so much. Live performance and just being an audience member, seeing a live Definitely. Show. You know, it's, I, I've, it's, it's it's been very rough, you know, because it's it was it is it is such a big part of my life and a you know a big part of your life and um I think it's um you know I I can I can only say that it's not it's not going anywhere permanently you know I, it will come back it has you to know, it's it it will I mean it's it's not um I mean I believe it you know I'm I'm not yeah, a I'm not a fortune teller or, or a medical you know expert but um you know I I I do believe that's going to come back um it may not come back exactly the same way it was um but i do believe it will come back yeah man i i think uh i think that hunger that i feel you feel for live performance but also being around it even as an audience member right i i think it's our i actually do think it's our responsibility to remind people you know Mm -hmm. the common folk like hey do you remember what it was like to see a concert? Do you remember what it was like to be in front of a live musicians? Really good. Right. You know, something really good. Uh, um, do you remember that feeling? You know, and um, mm-hmm. I think t- obviously all we can really do is talk about it. Um, you know, share YouTube videos of our favorite bands playing live and that, that crowd interaction, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, at, and I'm, that's why I'm doing this show. Cause it's like, all mm-hmm. right, I know so many musicians, are like are like uh you know we're we're you were killing it man you were on fire and then this halted everything that's rough so I wanted to get your story about it too I want to get your perspective however I'm really glad I'm really glad you're like keeping busy you get you're diving into recording man it's really good to hear that really cool definitely you know I think that you know part of you know part of what musicians are are really good at is making the best of a bad situation, especially in this country. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you're used to, you're used to finding new and creative ways to do the thing that you love because it's not easy. You know, it, it's never easy. You know, like you said, you know, you, you put all of that equipment into the car, you take it, you know, into the city, you, you face that grind because you love it. 
yeah. know, because it, you, you can't imagine, you know, not doing that. Yeah. You know, um, but I think that, you know, it's for some of us, um, it's, it's been, a, it's been a while since you've had to call upon that, you know, that sort of, uh, scrappiness and like you know all that you know stick to itiveness like um and then for other people it's just another day it was just like yeah you know i've been uh, it's been a struggle for me i'm i'm used to this i'm gonna i'm gonna carry on yeah. um but i think there is that sort of spirit in and um, you know, i don't want to speak for everyone but i think in in almost every musician that says i'm gonna stick this out you know and i'm, I'm gonna see this through because i love what i do dude i think you're right um and i think one piece of history we should always remember is during the big band swing era um once you know once singers became the feature people like frank sinatra right um it became less you know they didn't they didn't need or they kept saying oh you know we can't afford to have all these musicians with us on this tour so a bunch of those musicians got fired well some of those musicians were people like Miles Davis, John Coltrane, you know, uh, Charlie Parker. What, what did they do with their time when they weren't gigging like that? They were playing in Harlem at these clubs, and that's where bebop was born. Right. And that changed so much. Changed so much. So Definitely. it's an interesting thing to think about. I don't, I, obviously, things are way different now, but there is hope that something... There is hope that something will very exciting and intoxicating musically will will something will happen when I definitely when, think so, you know. I, I think that we come back to it. Yeah, we're you know, we're you know, like 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 these like these types of conversations, you know, like um like you know, people like I was saying in the beginning, you know, our 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 whole mindset was to to, you know, I gotta find work, I gotta find work, I gotta find work. And yeah, you know, that's amazing and it, it's great and and i think there's nothing really wrong with that but it does occupy so much of our time that you know now that the the whole industry has kind of just come to a pause yeah. you know you have all these opportunities to connect and to engage in in different aspects of um of your craft you know like like recording or or like you know um uh you know i love i love being I, this is like the third podcast i've been a part of and it's it's just so much fun i love talking to different musicians about um about you know what what's been going on um before the pandemic during the pandemic how they see things going after the pandemic um it's I'm just glad. been it's you know but but you know without in, in a way without this pandemic sort of halting just the flow of things a lot of this stuff wouldn't have come to be you know we wouldn't have been able to really um indulge in this as much you know not not to say that it's a good thing but you know good things can come out of it and i think that if you focus on that um it keeps you keeps you motivated and passionate and and you know uh your stress level down enough that when things do come back which i believe they will um you know you're you're a more enriched and and fulfilled person for it you know i think you're right man and I'll say for myself, like for through the pandemic, like mentally I'm healthier. Physically, mm -hmm. I'm so much healthier. Mm -hmm. I'm exercising daily. I'm actually like doing and I enjoy it. I've programmed mm -hmm. myself to enjoy it. I'm consistent with it. My eating habits are better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I'm more I'm actually more social 
uh, after the pin, you know? So, uh, yeah, you're right. You're totally right. Cause it was one of those things, man. It's like, I ain't going to sit around during this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm already sort of sitting around pre pandemic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like trying to figure something to do. So yeah, it kind of, it, it presented opportunities. I know for other people, it's totally not the case, obviously, but, uh, but clearly for you with your recording and, you know, I was just clicking up on your Instagram page here. You do have some videos of you, um, of you playing. Now, I was mm-hmm. going to ask you, are you, are you going to be doing some uploading some of that or that drum content, drum video content? I think so. You know, I, I did, um, you know, I did fall into a bit of a, a, a rut where I was, um, you know, I, um, from playing, uh, from playing on tour so much, I have done a little bit of, um, uh, of damage to, um, my hands. So I got to be very careful about taking care of them and, um, you know, every now and then I'll have like a, um, a problem with uh, my ulnar nerve in my left, uh, arm. Let's so talk gotta... about this. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Because, uh, I have a similar thing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, around the time we were about, I can't remember, it was about half a year into the tour. Um, and I'm hitting these drums just as loud as I possibly can every night. Um, I started noticing there was a bit of tension in both my wrists. It started in my right hand, then sort of migrated to my left hand. Um, and this had never happened to me before. So my natural reaction was to panic and freak out. Um, um, but uh, after that, I, I, you know, you know, I sort of calmed myself down. I, I, we were lucky enough to have a physical therapist that we could see on the tour that we they had someone come in every week and wow. we could schedule an appointment with them. Uh, for about 20 minutes, which is not a lot, but it was something, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, each therapist I saw, you know, we, we just started working through it. You know, there was a lot of different, um, uh, you know, sh- a lot of people suggested strengthening the muscles in my back so that I wasn't overworking my forearm muscles. A lot of people um, were suggesting stretches, um, uh, you know, using a, um, a foam roller to sort of uh, sort of relax and stretch out the muscles in your back. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just any number of things and, and just, um, you know, slowly but surely just tackling each thing as it sort of flared up. And, um, but I think that the most, uh, the most important thing for me that I did was, you know, reevaluating how I was playing yeah. and, um, you know, you, like any, anyone, you get into bad habits when you do things over and over and over again. Yeah. And, uh, I, I did notice I was hitting these drums way too hard. I was um, gripping the sticks way too tight because I was trying to hit these drums so, so hard. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the funny thing is that when you're playing in isolation, you know, at a certain point in time, you know, it doesn't matter how hard you're hitting the drums. It's yeah. they're, they're only going to get so loud, yeah. you know. Um, so reevaluating that, you know, I, my posture was also terrible. You know, like I was slouching yeah. over a lot. I was, you know, just sort of hunched a bit. So, you know, um, yeah, I would take videos of myself and I'd go back and I'd review them. I'd say, okay, so you're slouching here. Um, you know, I would adjust the chair. I would adjust the height. I would adjust different aspects of the, um, the kit and the rig. And, um, I would respike things when I found it was more comfortable and slowly, but surely as, as I was working through that, you know, I, I was able to, to diagnose why certain things were happening in my body and why, um, what I could do to prevent them. Um, but recently, you know, I, uh, I realized that I spend a lot of time leaning ah. on my shoulder. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm uh, sorry, on my elbow. Yeah. Um, and as a result of that, you're just compressing that, that nerve in your, you know, um, uh, 
I think it's cubital canal, I think is what it's called. I'm not entirely yeah. sure. But um, I was noticing some, uh, I was just feeling a little bit of coldness in the last two of my fingers. Yeah. Um, and I was like, this is a very strange thing to be dealing with. Yeah. Um, so when I would talk to um, uh, some of the therapists that I've, that I've met on the road, it was just sort of very much, you know, you can do some nerve cards, but you got to be very careful that you're not, you know, leaning on that nerve because you're just going to agitate it over and over again. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I'm so happy to hear that somebody else that's, that was my thought of why I was having the same pain you had and mm-hmm. tingly this in that, le- on that, on that pinky side. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Like, right. Not, right up and down. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy that it happened to you. What I'm, I guess what I'm <laughs> like, that was my theory that I was, le- I was doing a lot of leaning too mm-hmm. on the left side. And yeah. And I thought like, I think this is cause it was, it was like a default position that I would end right. up. Mm-hmm. I never decided to be there. I was, mm-hmm. I would come to, why am I leaning? I don't need to lean like this. You mm-hmm. know, I was just hanging out, you know, like, yeah, man. Um, ha- have you been able to now through, you've made a diet, you made a self-diagnosis as far as your technique and stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed a difference? I, I noticed that as, you know, as long as I'm, uh, you know, I think for me, I was not, you know, see, so I guess so playing every night had its benefits as well as its drawbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, when I came off the road, I was very tired and I just said, you know what, I'm just going to take a break. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump right into playing every day again. Um, and I think a lot of the strength and, you know, attention to posture and, you know, attention to you know, leaning on your elbow and things like that, all of those bad habits just sort of came flooding back because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't playing every night, you know, I wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, there wasn't a, a giant spotlight saying, Hey, you know, you got to take care of yourself because otherwise you're not going to be able to, to play. So that when I did go back to playing, um, all of those different problems just came right back. I'm like, Oh, you, you need to take care of yourself. Otherwise, you know, these are going to resurface. Um, so, um, currently you're, are you still so- somewhat feeling like, are there moments of, okay, if I play it for a little bit too long or if I play, specific types of parts that i feel a little bit a bit of pain is is that still happen um it less and less as as i learn more and more you know i think that as you know uh you know i'm a bit of a hypochondriac so my natural reaction is to think that it's something irreparably damaging and um and i get you know my, my mom was always picking on me for that but yeah um but you know i think that uh the more you the more you learn about your body the the better you're, the better off you're going to be in terms of trying to figure out, um, you know, uh, what you're doing to cause the problem versus what you're doing to help the problem as well. You know, I've, I have a, there's just, um, there's still a whole litany of different things that I've tried since being on the road, um, all of which have seemed to somewhat help, um, you know, depending on, you know, what, symptom i'm trying to attack you know it could be a strained muscle it could be a a nerve issue it could be a a posture issue it could be something that's up with your neck um and you know each each therapist i've seen each um each incidence where i've had some type of um of you know abnormality in terms of you know my body um has taught me something you know and you know i just keep using that information over and over and i'm like all right well it wasn't this maybe it was this or if this isn't working it's got to be this you know there, I, I use things like a, you know, like a, this, uh, a, a drummer friend of mine, Tom recommended this thing called a Powerball. 
um, which is um, oh, I know uh, that, I know that, uh, yeah, like a therapist in in uh, Ireland, I think, came up with it. it but it, yeah. it sort of treats um, uh, symptoms of like tennis elbow and uh, and golfer's elbow, which um, at one point we thought I had, you know, because I was throwing my arms so much, yeah, I, I had strained the muscles in my forearm. But um, but you know, it's like you you try and you know, there was times where I I was trying to use the power ball on my left arm, and it was making things worse, you know. So I think that the more you the more you experiment and the more you try and, and tackle things, um, the more you learn about your body and what's causing the problem and what's helping, you know? Um, man. So I have two, can I recommend two things to you that helped me? Yeah, sure. Um, one was a book by this guy, John E. Sarno, MD. It's called the mind body prescription. Okay. His, the idea was this, and I like you use the word hypochondriac, which is <laughs> specifically what he talks about, which is like, the response to pain. So you would feel pain, right? Get anxious, right? And like the brain just goes, what? Anxiety? Danger? You're drumming? Drumming is danger. Yeah. And then now your brain pairs drumming with that pain. And sometimes what happens is it's like this weird animal like, hey, you're on those drums. I'm, we're going to remind you of the pain so that you stay away from this. Right. And sometimes it's like mental, like it's like a, a or psychological sometimes. It right. doesn't mean that the pain's not there, but it might be inflated because of that anxiety of your thoughts of like, oh my God, if I can't, for you, it must have been like, I play 600 and something shows a year. If I can't get through a week of this, then I got to quit or something. Then what the fuck am I going right. to do? Like that probably made you spit. You know what I mean? Definitely. You know, it's it was chaotic. You know, when it first started happening, I was like, "Oh no, now what?" You know? <laughs> like, yeah, man. In the book, he just talks about like how to calm that. That's your. That's part of your nervous system is your thoughts, how they drive, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, how to calm all that down. Uh, and then uh, and then my other uh, recommendation would be: Are you familiar with? The, I've talked about him so much on this with other drummers, but. Are you familiar with Dave Elich, the drummer? Dave Elich, yes. I, I, I mean, I, I know who he is. So he, okay. And I got to tell you, man, this is a game changer. Mm. Like I went and and uh, I went and and took a lesson with him like two years ago. I went to, I was in LA for a day. Oh, nice. And I, yeah, and I set it up, and it was like a two-hour something lesson. And uh, dude, he just broke everything apart. He really just from the way I was sitting to how I was using my legs to play the, the bass drum and the hi-hat, to um, what my legs were doing, even as detailed as like, what, what is my foot doing? What is my leg doing right after impact of the bass drum? Um, then as far as stick technique, I got to tell you, man, the stick technique thing is a game changer because it makes so much sense uh, and takes so little effort to get the best sounds and to also minimize tension. And it, it, it changed everything. And nice. I noticed it because I was recording at the time too, like still, mm -hmm. you know, making my own recordings and stuff like that. And I noticed that the, when you're, when you're spending time mixing what you recorded and you're, you know, you're uh, soloing that snare drum track, you know, and trying to EQ it and compress mm -hmm. it, whatever the, the, I can't tell you the sweetness 
of the sound that I was trying. It was like, wow, that sounds so much better. And it was because of this grip. And a lot of it just has to do with where you're holding it, what the stick is doing after impact, uh, which is the same, has the same benefit to how it, uh, how all of that shock, uh, what, what happens with all that vibration and shock, uh, allowing the stick to, to vibrate like that, but not have your, this area here in your wrist and your, in your fingers absorb that shock, which gotcha. when you were saying like gripping real hard and hitting mm. real hard, you were absorbing all your body was absorbing all of that shock, which definitely did some damage. And I'm only saying, I'm only saying that because I did the same shit on like wedding gigs and mm. stuff like that. Like it's so loud on stage. I can't hear myself. So I'm just going to like tough it out and just mm. beat the shit out of these drums. And, wound up being like a really bad decision um so anyway this this took care of all this that stuff like it actually made everything a lot better so i'll send you a link to him i you can actually yeah absolutely lessons too like he, you can take a lesson with him but he also has um and i bought i actually bought it he you can pay for he has like a, a lesson series and he goes through all this shit i mean okay. i highly recommend man i highly recommend i think you would dig it I definitely actually, yeah man so, um, I, yeah, but I'm glad that like, I'm glad that you with your own, uh, diagnosis and practice have been able to undo some of these bad habits, you know, mm -hmm. for drummers listening, you know, or any musician listening, it's a big deal. Like this shit can, this shit can, it's, it never is convenient when you find out about it, right? <laughs> you know, you usually don't know what to do about it right away. And, uh, yeah, you go, it drives you nuts. It makes it uncomfortable to play. That's the worst feeling is when I am in pain doing something I love to do. That's the worst feeling. It's funny. One of the things that, that really, um, really definitely helped about, you know, dealing with this was um, the sense of community. It's, it's like, you know, this is something that so many people deal with people that, you know, people that are absolute masters of, of, you know, the instrument. Um, have some in at some point in their career had to reevaluate how they play and reevaluate um, what they're doing because they don't want to hurt themselves. And, um, you know, when you, I can't tell you how much of a comfort that is, you know, knowing that, you know, you're not alone in terms of this. It's, it's, it's almost not a, a matter of if you will, you will experience something like that, but if you're playing long enough, when you will experience something like that and then what you need to do at that point in time. Yeah, man. Even people like Thomas Lang, you know, mm -hmm. like is a guy who I look, I researched this stuff, drummers and carpal tunnel syndrome. And yeah, man, he had like, he had like bandages and stitches mm -hmm. on uh, where his carpal tunnel is on his wrist because he got the surgery. And I think it was like his second time getting it, you know, which mm -hmm. is crazy. Uh, that somebody, oh man, the idea of sticking metal in there and making a cut into where these nerves are, there's like a percentage of chance that you'll like lose ability if, yeah. if, if they mess up. And I'm thinking like, I'm out cold. There's nothing I could do about that. I'm literally handing this to, I'm handing my, <laughs> my career away possibly, you know, mm -hmm. like power to him. And it worked out for him. But it just goes to show even a guy like that who can play so fast and mm. 
as such great technique is still affected by this stuff. So, uh, definitely, you know, yeah, it's... man, crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, dude. It's all, it's a weird thing. It's all, it was almost like, okay, well, even this could take down the giant, you know, exactly. You know, so, uh, but glad to hear it's better for you, man. Um, thanks, man. It's, you know, it, I, I always think of it as a work in progress. You know, there's, there's always going to be, you know, and everybody's different, you know, every, every person's technique is different. Every person's, you know, you know, musical journey is, is different. So, you know, there's, there's going to be, um, there's going to be differences in, in, in terms of how people are responding to certain, uh, treatments and therapies and things like that. And then, um, but I think that, you know, the more, the more you, the more you experience these types of things, the the better you are at handling it, the, 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 the better you are at finding out early what's going on, you know, um, and, and the better you are at preventing things in the, in the future from happening. And absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's the type of thing that I didn't necessarily, it wasn't forward on my mind until I was playing over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, especially the same thing over and over and over and over again, you know, was that um, a benefit that you were at least doing the same thing consistently from night to night? Definitely. I, I think in terms of trying to figure out what exactly I was doing wrong yeah, was helpful because, you know, when you're doing the same thing over and over and over again, you're starting from a very level um, playing field. You know, it's like, okay, I'm not thinking about, oh, well, maybe I'm only doing it in this particular song that I only play with this particular set, with this particular band, with this particular group at this particular place on this particular kit, you know, yeah. when, when your environment is controlled like that, where you're playing on the exact same kit to a T where everything is just sort of, you know, perfectly aligned, you, you're, you're in a much better position to say, okay, well, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. Oh, wait a minute. That that's, that's weird. That's a little bit, that's a little bit odd. Let yeah. me try fixing the posture. Let me try adjusting the chair. Am I sitting too high? Am I sitting too low? Am I reaching for things? um is my you know is my back you know hunched it's like yeah that, that type of stuff when when you're in a controlled environment it is a lot easier you know and it's a lot you know conversely it's a lot harder when you're when you're constantly moving from different um environments and shows and genres and things like that um it's trickier um not impossible but definitely trickier um you know uh so yeah it, i i definitely think that the the gig did sort of you know, help in terms of trying to isolate. Okay, here's where I think some of your problems are. That's but really in, good, considering you're doing like I don't know a hundred of them a month or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's good to hear because like that would stress that stress me. That would stress me out. Like, oh shit, I got how many more of these to do? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, wow, man, that's good to hear. Though that's good to hear. Um, uh, so for listeners, I want you to please go out and. Follow Ryan McCausland on Instagram. Ryan McCausland Drums is his Instagram name. Um, and yeah, man, he's he's a great dude, and he's a really great percussionist and drummer. And uh, and uh, and check out now. This was Maria. Maria Wearies. Yeah. Maria Wearies. Yeah. Or Wearies. Wearies. Uh, here, let me, I want to make sure that I am spelling her name one hundred percent right. So give me one second. Cool. <laughs> Oh, speaking of, we mentioned Carter, and I'm on your page, and you have a picture of Carter 
Yeah, there was a oh, someone had tagged. I'm I'm so bad at following through on these things. There was a uh um uh one of my good friends tagged me in the group where it was like list drummers who were you know your influence. Oh, I got tagged. Um, yeah, I and I uh I just I just I never I did I did not follow through on it. I'm I, I, I if you're listening, uh, Q, I'm really sorry. I, I meant to follow through on that. I'm I'm really sorry. Um, I uh, but uh, the the two the two drummers that I, I found um that i uh that i really really gel with the most one, one would be carter beaufort who was the the first drummer that i saw and said i want to play like that um yeah. the second being uh david garibaldi from tower yeah. power um was just funk and and uh and that that style of music is just i am enamored with you know i, I always you know, I always have been. I, I'm sure I always will be. So yeah, I mean, you, could you get any more contrasting facial expressions when playing drums? Like yeah. <laughs> Garibaldi, very serious, you know, <laughs> and uh, Carter's just all smiles. He's the happiest yeah. drummer alive. I Definitely. Think. Like although like, I love that guy for that. Although I will say this, um, it was a really, it was a really, really cool thing that happened when I was in Cleveland, and. Uh, we were playing the show and Cleveland, I don't know if you're familiar with the, they have a, a whole theater um, uh, complex. It's sort of, you know, there's, uh, I can't remember the names of them at this time, but like cool. they're, they're like right next door to each other. Gotcha. Um, almost like a, a Broadway, you know, theater in New York. Um, but at the time we were there, we were playing at the far end of the, uh, the street. And then next door to us was uh, I think the bigger theater and they having the Cleveland jazz festival there. So there was just music everywhere at this time. And it was, I thought the coolest thing. Um, So we were, we were there for about three weeks and on the second week, so the second week or the third week that we were there, um, Tower Power was headlining. Oh, wow. The the festival. And I thought, you know, it'd be really, really cool if I could meet Dave Garibaldi. Yeah. Um, I, I, I went to a clinic of his when I was really young with my first drum set teacher and I met him once he would not at all remember that but i did and i was like i want to meet him again yeah uh but i have no way of reaching out to him i have no way of of figuring out you know how to get in touch with him um except that he has a facebook fan page so i figured oh what the hell you know so i i reached out on on his facebook group and i said hey i know you're in town for the um jazz festival i'm a huge huge fan um i would love to say hi we're playing a show in the neighboring theater next door um, and I never expected to hear back from him. Um, but the day that he came into town, he was only in town for two days. The day that he came into town, he wrote back. He's like, yeah, sure. Let's, uh, let's meet up. Um, I'll be outside the stage door at this time. And uh, wow. then he, um, he sent me his phone number and, uh, and we met up right outside the stage door right before he came on. He's like, well, I have to go in and sound check do you want to come and watch the sound check so there's i think there's some video on on my instagram where i'm sitting behind dave Garibaldi and i'm i'm taking a video of them sound checking and you know apart from the fact that he is just a just a legendary drummer he is one of the nicest guys i've ever met um and for him to take that time for someone that you know really you know he i i i, I could offer him nothing you know it's just like hey you know you're one of my favorite drummers i'd love to meet you um and then you know uh, i think later that night he came in after he was done the set and um 
uh, walked around the side to, and he was looking for the drums on the stage. He's like, I can't find you. And it's like, well, that's because I'm, I'm not on the stage. I'm, you know, I'm actually below the stage. And I took a picture of the kit and he thought that was the coolest thing. He's like, that's so cool that you're playing, you know, in a different spot, but still part of the show. And it was cool to like have that sort of connection with, you know, this is Dave Garaboldi. It's like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Man, that, for people listening, like that, they, this guy, David Garaboldi, when a drummer hears that name, it's like, it's, he's a legend. He's a legend. This is, he changed, you know, a little bit, you know, absolutely. as far as like the patterns that you can play mm-hmm. on, on, on like a more pop oriented music, but it's funk music. Mm-hmm. And yeah, people try to like, right? People try to imitate how he plays and try to learn his parts to this day still. So definitely it was, that is so cool of him <laughs> to like meet up with you. And oh man, that is, th- thank you for sharing that. That's oh, definitely. Story, you know, like I think, and you know, my, the, the moral of that story would be if, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you know that a drummer is, is coming to town that you, that you love, I mean, I mean, what do you got to lose you know yeah find like see if there's a way that you can meet up with them because you never know you, never you know, know it's it's just uh for him to for him to take his you know for him to offer up his time like that was was generous but then for him to even you know you know take an interest in what i do was yeah. just icing on the cake you know it's like yeah, I, you know um so yeah, you know, like definitely if if you know that there's someone who's coming to town you know, i i um i got a chance to meet um uh, another drummer uh, that I really love, uh, Cliff Almond. Um, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. Cliff, Cliff actually is now playing um, Sean's old show, uh, Book of Mormon. He's the drummer sure. on on that show now. For um, well, he was when they were playing. Um, but he took over the book uh, when Sean went to Frozen, and um, and I got to watch um, him play a Broadway show, which is a very different environment to watch Cliff Hellman play a Broadway show versus yeah. watching him play with uh, like Michelle Camillo. Um, main the Blue Note. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, um, but again, just a really nice guy, um, you know, who it was really cool to have him, uh, you know, take some of his time and, and, uh, um, and let me watch him and, and chat with me after the show. And it, you know, it's, you know what I got to lose. You know sometimes you'll you'll swing and miss. You know like there's a couple times where I've I've reached out to guys and I have never heard back. But yeah. um, you know the, the few that do get back to you, you know, um, uh, it makes it worth it. You know, that's so cool, man. That so yeah that that uh, that's exciting. Connecting with a somebody who's yeah I don't know if people understand. Tell me if you agree with this. I dude I don't I don't give a shit about famous people. Mm-hmm. Oh, celebrities over there. I don't give, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Right. But mm-hmm. if I, if you, if you have contributed something to something I love, which is music and live performance, and it's like that contribution is a major thing, like a, a David Garibaldi, like a Carter Beaufort, right? Uh, uh, somebody that comes to mind, man, would be like, God, if I get to meet Steve Gadd, for instance, you know, yeah. like that's somebody who I would kind of go like, oh my God, I want to meet them, but not, I don't want to take a picture with them. I don't care right. about that. I'm not, mm-hmm. it's, this is for me. This is not to show anybody. I would love to just talk to the guy. Definitely. A couple of minutes, right? Like, um, it, same with like, uh, I'm trying to think of another, like, uh, obvious choice of a drummer, but I mean, like, oh, fuck, fuck drummers. Paul McCartney. How cool would that yeah. be? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it doesn't even have to be someone who's a, a, you know, a drummer. It could be just, you know, just a musician that's inspired you. You know, um, 
definitely. Yeah. It's like it, there's, there really is a, there's really no other, there's no better feeling in the world really than, than connecting with musicians um, who've inspired you. And then, and then, you know, something that I've really, really, really enjoyed on the tour is getting to, to be that inspiration for other people. You know, we, we do have a lot of young people that, um, you know, more and more and more young people are, are interested in playing um, in orchestras in, in theater. And they're, you know, we have a, lot, a very young audience that comes to see the show. And there are, there, there are a bunch of kids that I reach out to, to me and other members of the band and, you know, hey, I want to do this. I want to I want to play Broadway shows, you know, um, you know, how how did how did you do it? How, you know, um, you know, who, who should I who should I study with? Which where should I go to school? You know, that, those kinds of things. And, you know, my my favorite experience of being on tour was getting to connect with those people, because I yeah. do see a lot of myself in those people, yeah. which, you know, w- with, uh, you know, the people who helped me get to where I am, um, uh, like Sean and like um, his husband, Ben Cohn, who's our, our music director um, uh, for the Broadway show in New York. Yeah. Um, you know, because they took the time to uh, to share what they love with me, um, you know, before I, I even was able to get, you know, into to high school shows, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, that is that is something that's really special. And, you know, now that I get to, to sort of, you know, on a very, you know, on a very small level, play that role to someone else across the country is is awesome. You know, yeah, man. I was gonna say it's almost like if you were to if you were to uh, if you were to take that into an idea. The idea is that these people we look up to, they should when when a David Garibaldi kind of meets up with you and he's he just shows you he just shows you he's human, mm-hmm. and that's like hey hey here's me as a human hey fellow human that that mm-hmm. actually is like because we think of them on, on such a high level we don't know who they are but. But when they show themselves as human to you, you're sort of doing a similar thing to these young people, you know, like, hey, I'm human, like just like exactly. you're human, you know what I mean? And uh, I see where you're at and I know I've been there and uh, and I validate where you're at. And, you know, if I can help you, I will. Uh, mm-hmm. I, that's really cool to hear, dude. Really cool. Um, on that note, such a positive note, dude. <laughs> I mean, thank you for sharing all that. Uh, on that note, listeners. Ryan McCall's and drums on Instagram. Go follow him right now. Maria. Uh, Maria Wearies. Uh, here, I have, uh, I have the correct spelling of her name. Um, right here. Uh, Maria, M-A-R-I-A, Wearies, W-I-R-R-I-E-S. All right. And the new album? New album is called uh, uh, Just Keep Singing. Um, and... Uh, yeah, please take a listen to it. it. There's some really awesome music. She's amazing. Ryan um, recorded the drums. Yes, uh, I, I recorded um, a couple a couple of the tracks, um, and uh, a lot of a lot of really amazing musicians recorded as well. It's a lot of them I've been lucky enough to tour with. Um, Mar- Maria's boyfriend Matt is uh, he mixed the whole thing. He, he plays guitar on on all the tracks. Um, it's a uh, it's a really awesome album. I hope you guys can check it out. Awesome. Ryan, thank you so much for being on. Much hey, thank you so much, Anthony. It's been so great to, to reconnect and, and chat. And this is uh this has been awesome. 
Yeah, man, definitely. Without a doubt. We got to get, we got to grab a beer when that's possible soon. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, when, you know, hopefully, hopefully sooner than later, but, uh, you know, um, definitely when it's safe. Definitely, man. Definitely. All right, everybody. But dumb biz to you. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, man. <laughs>